All right. So I want to share with you a message today that I titled The Pearl of Great Price. And I believe it's very fitting with the theme and the thrust of the, the motion that we just experienced in worship today. Because there was a lot of things pointing towards value today. Our value to God and our praise to Him in the process. Matthew chapter 13, verse 45 and 46 says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he had found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. Jesus taught throughout history there in parable. Uh, and, and in them were images and his, that his audience could relate to. Jesus was a very relational minister. You know, when he talked to, to fishermen, what did he talk about? Fishing. When he talked to farmers, talked about farming. When he talked to tax collectors, talked about money. When he talked to religious people, <laughs> he pretty much scolded them, right? I mean, you, you see the themes. So he always talked in these parables. How is heaven like a pearl? And who is the merchant? When you see that in the scripture. Now, this is a parable about what matters most to God and to us. Christ was seeking, he was finding, and purchasing his elect. Matthew Henry, was a, 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 he does commentaries, if you're into that thing. That's, that was one of his writings. It says, his people were lost and going astray, but he valued them. Jesus took much pains to buy his people back. Think about that one for a minute. God's people are a pearl of great price. Very precious to God. So highly esteemed by Christ as his portion, his inheritance, and his jewels. Christ was willing to give up everything, even his life, to buy us back. To redeem us for eternal life with the Father in heaven. One devotional writer talking about the pearl of great price asks, How strongly do you desire a deeper relationship with him? You ever really considered that? How strongly do you desire a deeper relationship with your creator? How much would you give or how much would you give up to know him more? What do you seek fulfillment in in this life? During your free time, what, what consumes us? What, what do you seek fulfillment in? Do we recognize how much we mean to God? I mean, is that something you've ever considered? I mean, have you ever just sat and thought, how, how much do I mean to God? You know, I, I sit and ponder a lot. Deer season's going on, you know. And I, and I, <laughs> I know, deer season, ministry, you know, but it flows together really well. I love sitting in deer stand because I think a lot. You get out where it's quiet. You know, one of my favorite times is when the snow's falling. Not that I like the cold. I've kind of gotten over that. I don't really like cold anymore. But, but I love that because of the quietness. Have you ever noticed how quiet it gets when it snows? How it just kind of covers all the sound? You can almost hear the snow falling. Isn't that amazing? I love that feeling. But God speaks to us when we're in our quiet place using that still small voice. So in the process of all this deer hunting and this time of deer season, that time to just really contemplate and really think about what God's giving us. It, it can get you to a place where you really question 
lots of things. How much? How much does God really value us? So the parable is about how much we mean to God and how much Christ should mean to us. John Gill, another commentary guy, wrote this, that those who are seeking after knowledge in every branch of it, natural, moral, and spiritual, may be compared to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls and who find the gospel and prefer it to everything else. It's one way of looking at it, right? Nothing is worth more than this treasure, a relationship with Jesus Christ. There's absolutely no other thing has any more value than that, than having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Why would Jesus share a parable about a pearl? See, the Jews were waiting for a soldier savior. They were waiting for a warrior, right? Their Messiah was coming to, to save them. That was their thoughts. They weren't looking for a shepherd. I mean, a shepherd really was kind of a lowly job. It was given to the youngest. Remember David? David was a shepherd boy. All of his older brothers had other things to do, more important things to do than just guard a bunch of sheep. Speaking of that, have you seen the little video of the sheep going in a circle? <laughs> That's pretty funny, actually. My mind went all kinds of places with that. You know, they're all looking at this great phenomenon and all these sheep walking in a circle. I'm thinking all it takes is one. The rest of them just following, right? So anyway, that wasn't in the notes. Uh, <laughs> where's Josh? That was just for free, Josh. Um, <laughs> Jesus was authoritative. I talk about this a lot that, that, you know, people are like, oh, Jesus, just, he just loves everybody. He does. But one thing that Jesus always did was he always confronted sin. You look at every story of reference where he encountered someone in the Bible, he confronted their sin. He was authoritative. He was confrontational. When he cleared out the, the money changers because they were making a mockery of his father's house. I mean, you know, I, I like that righteous anger. I try to use that from time to time. <laughs> Most of the times, mine's not righteous. But <laughs> Yet in the process of all of this being authoritative and being confrontational, he is outrageously loving and gentle. And you have to see all of that in him. Israel's view of freedom was short-sighted and very narrow, and their picture of God was very small. They didn't see God as how I see him anyway. When I, when I look at the stars at night or I look at creation, I, I, just, I, I stand in awe of God in most of my time. He doesn't demonstrate power as men do. The Lord Almighty was offering his blood and only blood sufficient to pay for all sins for all time for all believers. Jesus used metaphors his audience would relate to. His listeners believed that their salvation was like a financial transaction. When you look at it in Jesus' time, most of them looked at it as like a financial transaction. They paid for a place in heaven by strictly observing the law. It's like they were buying their hotel room or their cottage or whatever other house he was building. You know, when I think of Jesus building mansions on a hill, I... I don't, you know, I don't really know what that's going to look like. I don't think it's going to matter, <laughs> you know, but some people take great value in trying to figure out what is it that God's preparing for me? I've done a lot of good things, you know, 
Good behavior was their currency with God in that time frame. The pearl, however, gave God nothing except the joy of having it. God paid everything for this amount of joy. So we can't buy our place with God. We, we've got to accept that we were purchased for his pleasure. And the ransom was Christ's very life. He bought us with a price. For this to make sense, we, we have to believe that God wants us to be with him. His desire is for all to come to him. He cherishes us. This is difficult to grasp because we don't have anything he lacks. We can't bring anything to the table that he doesn't already have. We can't offer him anything. What have I got to offer God of all creation? I don't have any value like that that he doesn't already have. So what makes this pearl so valuable? We gain our value from the price paid for us. This, this pearl isn't valuable in itself, uh, which is something that I think some of us have trouble believing because we want to be special. You know, I, I talk about the, 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 minister, or the ministry I do with the, the crow and the eagle. We all want to be an eagle, right? I mean, eagles are majestic and they're beautiful. and I mean, they're this, this incredible creation. But most of us are more like that old crow. <laughs> we're dark and we're dirty. You know, in that message, the only way we're ever going to become a crow is ever going to become an eagle is through a supernatural encounter with a holy God. It's kind of like that with a pearl, too. We want to be uniquely valuable in our own right, able to prove our status in earthly ways. But that's actually bondage. When we want to prove our status, maybe through fancy cars or big houses or big bank accounts or bling that we wear. What purpose does that serve? It's bondage. We would cease to matter as soon as age, injury, or illness took all that from us. Our, our earthly status means nothing. Uh, I mean, other than to whatever it's for, because it doesn't mean anything to God. He doesn't look at us in that fashion. The difference in worthiness between one person and the next is in whether he acknowledges that he was purchased and at what cost. The, the world will pay just a few dollars for trinkets. I have a lot of stuff. I have a lot of junk <laughs> that most people would call it. Although there's a meme on, on uh, Facebook today that it's got this dad and his son, and they're standing in front of this storage container, you know, those storage units. The door's open, and it is just packed from the doorway. I mean, it's just packed. And the dad's proudly telling his son, one day, son, this will all be yours. I see that with my own son. And I see him just going, oh, Lord. Yeah, because <laughs> I have a lot of junk. But uh, Rhonda tries to get rid of my junk a lot. <laughs> can we admit that, that we want to be worthy of eternal love I mean have you ever really caught yourself striving to be worthy 
of, of eternal love, not, not just worldly love. And we, we work on that one too, but we strive for an eternal love. How, I mean, how could God really love me? I don't have anything to offer him. I've made tremendous amounts of mistakes, still do. So how could he, how could he want something that's of such little value? So we strive for that. And, 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 the, and such a thing is, is possible even though we can never repay the price. Have you ever really thought about how much God loves you and the fact that you can't repay him? I mean, I've, I've been given gifts before that I couldn't repay. And, and it, it's, it's, it's humbling. Sometimes it's embarrassing because you've had to take something that someone offered you because you were in such dire strait. You ever, you ever been there? But see, that's not how God sees this. He doesn't, all he wants in return from us is our, our devotion to him, our obedience to him, our love for him, our recognition of who he is. And here's another hurdle that we have to overcome from time to time. Can we believe that that comes without a catch? <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'm a, I'm a social butterfly. I've said that before. I'm always on Facebook. And for those of you that are on Facebook, you love the ads, right? I mean, everybody loves a good ad. And I like these ones where it's like, oh, man, I found the miracle of life. I found the miracle to aging. I'll never age again. And you read this 14-page blabbering. And then now, if you'll just watch this video, what? Where's the answer I'm looking for here? We spend a lot of time because what happens in the process of all of that is there's a catch. We're going to have to buy something in the end. No one's just going to give you the recipe to the miracle drug that's going to make you not age anymore. Or that miracle drug that's going to make me slim and pretty. Yeah, that ain't going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I showed Rhonda a deal yesterday that something about... Uh, it, it's only through cremation that I'm ever going to have that smoking hot body. <laughs> but there's no catch to what God is offering us. There, the, the, well, I guess you could say it does come with a catch. It will cost us everything. His love for us is free, but it will cost us everything. There's some other biblical translations in Matthew 13, 45 through 46, and I want to share a couple of those with you just to, to let you see how that's worded. In one translation it says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls. When he found one priceless pearl, he went and sold everything he had, and he bought it. We are priceless. And there's no price tag sufficiently that indicates our worth to the Lord. I mean, there, you couldn't put that value in place. In another translation, it says, God's kingdom is like a jewel, a jewel merchant on the hunt for excellent pearls. Finding one that is flawless, he immediately sells everything and he buys it. Now, the problem I've got with this particular translation is we're not flawless. We, we come with wounds. We come with scars. There, there's not a flawless person even if a legally flawless person existed, he would not enter the gates of heaven without having to humble himself before the Lord. 
Now this one is one I do like. The kingdom of heaven is like a jeweler on the lookout for the finest pearls. When he found a pearl more beautiful and valuable than any jewel he had ever seen, the jeweler sold all that he had and he bought that pearl. His pearl of great price. See, the jeweler was searching for us and we were his pearl. The, the, the intimacy of that translation is so beautiful because that's exactly how God sees us. Let me give you some lessons of pearl parables here. Our value is determined by the jeweler. The world evaluates a person on the basis of career, appearance, bank balance. But yet Christ sees what is priceless in us, the image of the Father, and he pursues us lovingly. He was willing to die for us. His sacrifice is the greatest kind of love there is. Also, Jesus' parable helps us to visualize value. We understand how much a thing can be worth. We have a problem with the idea of non-transactional value. Worldly culture wants a person to earn value and to cultivate self-worth. Instead, our value is equated with our maker, the one who said, or set and paid that price. God pursues us. No other religion features a God who comes down to his people. We might be undervalued by the world, but we are infinitely loved by God. He didn't send a manager. Jesus wasn't a last minute rescue plan, and he wasn't just a man. He was God in the flesh, sent to us. See the value that that's placed on us? There is value in imperfection. Experts and jewelers can check the natural flaws in a pearl using a magnifying object. God examines our hearts and is well acquainted with our sin. While we want to kill sin in our lives by the Spirit's power, God still loves us with our rough, uneven patches. We even can and must come to Him as we are broken and blemished. And while we work to overcome sin by Christ's Spirit, we don't lose value when our flaws show. God doesn't take anything away from us in the midst of finding our flaws. Christ alone is flawless. 1 John 1.5 says, God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Jesus was made in the light, one with the Creator, Sin, like a pearl, forms in the dark from our response to brokenness and suffering. When something gets into an oyster's shell and irritates it, the oyster protects itself by covering the intruding particle. Layer upon layer of a substance called nacre, also known as mother of pearl, coat the grain of sand or whatever it might be until the iridescent gem is formed. Did you know that an oyster that has not been wounded in any way does not produce a pearl? Hmm. That's interesting. A pearl is a healed wound. Pearls are a product of pain, the result of a foreign or unwanted substance entering the oyster, parasite or grain of sand. And in this, this shiny substance, this knacker, when this grain of sand enters, this knacker cells go to work and they cover that grain of sand with layer upon layer upon layer to protect the defenseless body of the oyster. Now, I don't know how many of y'all eat oysters. Anybody eat oysters? 
I tried. I see no point. It don't matter how much hot sauce you put on an oyster. Yeah, we won't even go any further than that. <laughs> but, but apparently it's considered delicate because even a grain of sand could destroy it. So it protects itself by creating this pearl. As a result, a beautiful pearl is formed. The more pearls, the more valuable. I, I didn't know this, but oftentimes the pearl divers that search these things out will find a pearl with multiple pearls or an oyster with multiple pearls in it because it has had multiple wounds. How many pearls do you have in you? The more wounds, the more value. Now here's a cool statement. God never allows pain without a purpose. Hmm. Some of us might argue that point because we don't understand our pain. Listen, I'll tell you this, we may never understand or see an outcome from things that we've gone through. We may never have an understanding of of why something happened. Everyone in this room could stand here and tell story after story of problems or issues or struggles or things that have happened in your life that have caused you great pain and you've yet to see an outcome or an answer. We always will have that question, why? I used to think, you know, the first thing I'm going to ask God when I see him is a why question. Kind of got a feeling it ain't going to matter. <laughs> you know, I mean, we talk a lot about that, but it ain't going to matter. What if your greatest ministry to someone else comes out of your greatest hurt? That's an interesting statement. What if, what if your biggest value that you have to someone else on this earth is coming from your worst damage? Something that you've endured, something that maybe you've overcome, something that you've walked through or are walking through that might allow you to minister to someone else who's going through the same thing. God's pretty cool about doing things like that. When I went into that juvenile detention center ministry as a chaplain, one of my first thoughts I have nothing in common. I've never been in trouble. When those doors closed behind me for the first time going into the detention center, scared me to death. Because I wasn't getting out of there until somebody opened that door. I didn't like the feeling. I didn't, I'm, and I'm thinking, God, what am I doing here? I, how, how am I going to, I can't relate. I've not been in trouble. I've, I've never done drugs. I've never, I don't know anything about this. It's not what they needed anyway. What they needed was someone who just simply offered them truth. And I had to learn. <laughs> I couldn't fix them. That's tough because I'm a fixer. I like fixing stuff. I like knowing that when I leave that everything's all right. I heard a lot of that. Oh, I'm going to change my ways. Well, I learned pretty quickly that they probably were not. I'd probably see them again in another cycle. And I did often. But again, what God finally showed me is just give them the truth. You give them the truth, and then it's between me and them what they do with it. What if God uses your most hurtful time to bring healing to someone else? 
See, the hard things that we may be going through now are really nothing in comparison to the glory that will be revealed to us in a later date. Romans chapter 8, verse 17 and 18 says this, And if we are his children, then we are his heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his spiritual blessing and inheritance. If indeed we share in his suffering, so that we may also share in his glory. Let me read that again. If indeed we share in his suffering, so that we may also share in his glory. For I consider from the standpoint of faith that the sufferings of the present life are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is about to be revealed to us and in us. The struggles that we're facing today don't compare to the glory that's going to be revealed to us and in us in that day. In Matthew 13, 44 through 46, that kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and he bought it. Oftentimes people read this parable to mean that the kingdom of God is so valuable that we should be willing to sell everything and give everything up in order to get into the kingdom. It's one way of looking at it. We should be willing to give all to have an eternity with Christ. Matter of fact, in some degree it is required of us to give all, to surrender completely to him. In this reading, though, it, it makes the most sense that, and, and, it's, and it's maybe one thing that Jesus meant, it's, it's kind of like that rich young ruler story, right? Man, I love that story. <laughs> Where he meets this rich young ruler, and the dude's got everything he needs, right? I mean, I've never been in that position. <laughs> but he has everything he needs. He's, he's got everything. And, and, he, and in his, he was almost, I think, a little pompous when he's like, well, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus tells him, pretty simple. Follow the commandments. Yeah, but I've done that since I was a kid. I mean, some of us could say that, right? Lord, I've done that since I was a kid. So what what else is there? It's a tough question to ask the Lord. So he tells him, just go sell everything you got. Now, this, this is I find very interesting. He didn't say go sell everything you got and deposit that into the church account, tithe, it's not what he said. He said, go sell everything you have. Give it away to the poor. Then come and follow me. And that story ends with the rich wrong ruler went away sad. I have to believe in the MOV, in my own version, where it states, Jesus walked away sad too. It didn't matter that the man was worth anything in this worldly possession. But his soul was worth everything. He was a pearl unwilling to be found. Reading the story of a missionary in a country that doesn't allow them. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being a missionary in a place that it's illegal to be there to do what you're doing? This lady wrote about dealing with a person who was irritating her, but was also in need. You ever had somebody just irritate you? Yeah. 
I have a lot of people that irritate me. <laughs> I do. I really do. I, I struggle sometimes with people. But a lot of the people I struggle with have needs. And I think, well, if you wouldn't make such stupid decisions, maybe you'd be a little bit of shape. <laughs> right? I mean, you know how we are. I mean, right? I'm just being real here. Well, all of us are thinking it. Don't, don't hold me up on no pedestal. I know what we're thinking. But God spoke to her clearly. You know, he does that from time to time, right? Speaks to us very clearly. And he said, as irritating as that person is to you, to me, they are a pearl. And I am willing to sell everything to get them for myself. Amen. Ouch. Now, this missionary thought, and you'd have to agree, that the Lord was alluding to these parables of Jesus, infusing them maybe with a different yet complementary meaning to what we normally make of them. The kingdom of God is our pearl of great price. Right? Heaven's a pearl for us. But at the same time, we are a pearl of great price to God. We're his prize. We are called to give up everything to get the kingdom, because he, this is precisely what God has done to get us into the kingdom. He gave up everything. The incarnation, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is, is God selling everything he has. He, he bet the farm in order to get the pearl of great price that he sees in each of us. We are God's pearl of great price. We are the Lord's priceless treasure. And this kind of reminds me, I'm kind of dragging on here, and there's food in the back, but I'll be done in a minute. I <laughs> told earlier, <laughs> good thing we can't smell it from here. I've been, I've been in them churches where it just fills the sanctuary. and You've got to fight that thing, you know. <laughs> this reminds me of, of great love stories. You all love Hallmark movies, right? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> it's like a Hallmark movie where both, both parties risk everything. They endure great hardships. They face whatever comes in order to be together. They love and passionate. And they have, they, they, these passionate love they have for each other trumps every other obstacle. They both view the other as the ultimate treasure. They're willing to do anything to get them. That's my treasure down here. Yeah. This outrageous love story. Is it also maybe how God thinks of us? I want to compare God to a Hallmark movie. <laughs> but his love for us, that willingness to do whatever it takes, unwilling to give up, no matter how hard-headed we might be. It also should be how we think or feel about God in turn. We should have this passionate desire to be with him, to serve him, to be obedient to his word, to live out his calling. Uh, there's a whole, you could go so many different directions with calling. But you know one thing he has called every one of us to? Him. Him. His desire is to have us in his presence, worshiping him. Some closing thoughts. We're all made in God's image. Unable to add or subtract from our value in any way. To demonstrate gratitude, we can act like Jesus by seeing that image in other people. 
Or Paul puts it this way in Philippians 2, verse 3. It says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. That's a powerful piece of scripture. This won't make us equal with Christ, but the image of God within each person establishes common ground. The, the contrast between our weakness and Christ's sufficiency can give us hope that the best is still yet to come. Again, our, our scripture today, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 through 46, the kingdom of heaven is like a very precious treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid again. I found that very interesting in that scripture. Not only did he find the treasure, but where he found the treasure didn't belong to him. So he hid that treasure again. Then in his joy, he goes and he sells all that he has. And he buys that field, securing that treasure for himself. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of a fine pearl. And upon finding a single pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. You're God's pearl of great price. You are the Lord's priceless treasure. As we close this out today, think about this. We're, we're in this Thanksgiving season, right? I mean, that's kind of the theme, Thanksgiving. We're going to have a Thanksgiving meal today. As we celebrate together today, as we give thanks for all of our stuff and our stuffing, Consider this. God paid the ultimate price for us. His, his pearl of great price. Each one of us. Be thankful for that today. And, and help someone else maybe to realize that they're also a valuable treasure. You may not feel much value today. Maybe you... Consider that this message might not relate to you because you just don't really have any value left in you. If you would, just for a moment with me, just bow your heads. Share this thought with me. You have a holy God. A God who sees us as this pearl of great price. I got to tell you today, he's not going to overlook you. He's not going to, to look down and say, oh, well, not that one. Too many flaws. That one's got too many scars. Now, what God sees when he sees those flaws and those scars is a place that he can touch, a place that he can heal, a place that he can love. Because each one of those things makes us unique. None of us are the same. None of us have walked the same path. None of us can tell the same story. We're unique to him. And he bought us at a great price. Today, I want to share with you, if you feel like you have no value, maybe you feel like your value has been stolen from you. The enemy has a way of doing that. I'm here to tell you that God can restore you. He'll show you how much he loves you, how much he cares for you. All you have to do is surrender. That surrender is just simply a coming unto him. See, no matter how far we get from him, he's right behind us, waiting for us to turn. We don't have to go a great distance to return to him. He's right there with us. 
He's never left us. We've simply turned our back on him. So today, as we close this service, as we give thanks today for the, for the, the message that God has brought to us, I want to encourage you, if you find yourself struggling with your value, I want you to just make your way to the front. We're going to pray for you today. Don't, don't be embarrassed. There's nothing embarrassing about this. This is family. We're all here together today, and we're here to encourage one another. We're here to lift each other up. We're here to minister to each other. So today, if you feel like you have no value, and you want to hear the words of God speaking those value back into you today, breathing life back into you today, I want you to just come to the front. We're going to pray for you. Just quickly. We won't belabor this. We won't take any length of time. Just let God bring healing to you today. Let him put that mother of pearl over you. Let him make you that beautiful jewel that he's already sees you as. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you for this time that we get to share with you and enjoy Thanksgiving together. God, today I pray that you bless each one that's here. Stir our hearts. Stir our hearts to understanding the value that you place in each one of us. The price that you paid, that we see what you've done for us, even if we don't feel it. God, the, the times that we've struggled through, use those times to touch someone else's life. Let that be our mission. Let it be our calling and let it be our ministry to someone else. Let us take our flaws, our hurts, our wounds, turn them for your good and your glory and use that to touch someone else. Thank you, God, for all the preparation that's happened today, the food, the God, just this time that we'll get to fellowship together. God, we ask that you just continue to pour your spirit out over this body, over this church, over the leadership. As, as, as things continue to move forward, God, that this place become an artesian well, that your spirit flow out of here into the streets around this community, and you begin to draw all men unto you through the work going through this place, through the love that shines out of this place. We thank you for it today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.